This is the Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I am Rob Beasel from CBC Sports, and he's back. Jesse Granger, fresh off, tying the knot, fresh off a honeymoon, which, given what I saw on social media, it looked like I had a good time, but now he's ready to talk a little hockey. How was everything? Had a great time. Uh, a few margaritas, a few. Um, lots of time in the water. I, I had an iguana on my head. It was great. It was, it, it was a great week. I already called him out, though, and, and I always tell people at the end of our shows to make sure to watch our YouTube channel. He doesn't have his wedding ring on because he's not used to wearing it. And I was saying off the air that I had the exact same thing when I put my wedding ring on. You feel like that's all you feel, yep. especially for someone who doesn't wear jewelry. Um, and slowly you'll realize you take it off less and less. But right now it's it's, it's kind of driving you nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I, I've never worn any kind of jewelry. Like I've never had a watch in my life. I've never had like a necklace, nothing. Um, so it is very strange. I take it off to golf. I take it off to play hockey. I take it off to do the dishes. I, I've got to get used to wearing this thing, but I will. You take it off to podcast for credit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I just I don't feel comfortable talking to you and just being in my in my yeah, no, I I I, I don't know why I don't have it on right now. Uh we'll 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 have a Jesse Granger ring update every single week when to see when you finally keep this thing on. But uh no Russo, he's still off enjoying the summer and doing his thing. So it's Jesse and me today. We're also gonna be joined by Saad Youssef uh from the Athletic Talk. A little bit of Dallas Stars who obviously were very busy in the offseason, despite, you know a team that already was a contender. Boy, do they look good going into next season. But we've got a few things we want to get to uh, before we get to Saw, Jesse. Um, big news of the week. We, You know, the last few shows we've been talking about free agents who haven't signed yet and where could they go. And one name was always on there, but we knew that he was either Boston or, or retirement. And we found out this week, uh, day after his 38th birthday, Patrice Bergeron releases a very heartfelt – uh, statement saying that, yes, he is retiring. It ended with this quote, as I step away today, I have no regrets. I have only gratitude that I live my dream and excitement for what is next for my family. And I, I left everything out there and I'm humbled and honored. It was representing this incredible city and for the Boston Bruin fans, end quote. So when you saw it, when you saw the news, Patrice Bergeron retires, I, I'm not going to say, were you surprised? Cause I don't think a lot of us were, but what really popped in your head? You know, you know what surprised me a little bit was not so much the like the like I, there were so many players and coaches and and former players that all released like statements saying how awesome he was and it wasn't so much that they thought that it was the fact that they felt they needed to make that statement and it just shows you how well respected he is around the NHL yeah. and like it's not just like obviously his 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 game his hockey is spectacular and and I think he plays a brand of hockey that everyone appreciates like even like no matter what kind of player you are what position you play you're like that guy does everything he makes all of us look better you appreciate that but also just the person that Patrice Bergeron is um everyone 
like I said, I, I, I found it su- surprising how many different people felt the need to like make a statement and say how awesome he is and, and how fortunate they were to coach him. Uh, Bruce Cassidy here in Vegas put out a statement um, or, or, or play with him or whatever it was. Even even like the Golden Knights TV uh, broadcaster, Dave Gosher, who was the radio guy for the Bruins, like he put out a statement how, how much of a pleasure it was to work with him. I just like I said, I've, I found it. Very telling of the person and the player of how many people wanted to to comment on the retirement. Have you ever heard anyone say a negative thing about Patrice Bergeron? No. Never. No. He's. I mean, it's. it's you know, we we talk a lot about you know the the respected people in the game, but I was even looking on every article at some of the comments, and I, I loved reading things like, "I'm a Habs fan, so I'm not allowed to like anything Boston right. Bruins." But Patrice Bergeron is awesome. Um, it, it, he's got such a, an interesting career because, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions here because I've always believed certain things and I want to know if you're in agreement. But let me quickly just list off some of the accomplishments. We all know about the Selkie Trophy. Six-time winner. Two-time defending winner. This is a guy retiring you know, at the top of his game as far as what he is known for. 1,294 career regular season games. That's third in Bruins history behind Johnny Busick and Ray Bork. 1,040 points. Again, third in Bruins history behind those two players. Stanley Cup, two gold medals, world championships, world junior, world cup. Just a winner and a leader, captain of this Bruins team for the last three years. Is he the most underrated player of this generation? Perhaps even all time, because I'll give my opinion. I think he 100% is. I agree with you. And I think it's, it's, I don't know about all time, but of this, of like, since I've been watching hockey, I feel like he is. And it's, I mean, his, his career high for goals is only 32. And that's why if, if you, if he'd scored 40 goals a season, he'd be, everyone would talk about him. Like because of everything else he does, I just think fans and and the media, we all glorify the stats and he, his stats aren't elite. Um, his, I mean, if you look at the underlying metrics and the goals against when he's on the ice, stuff like that, they are. But I just think he didn't have the the goals, the amount of goals and the amount of points. His career high for goals is 32. He never scored 80 points in his career. So um, I think that's probably why he's, he's underrated, I guess. Um, to me, you mentioned the six Selkies. I think more impressive than winning it six times is 14 years in a row. The last 14 years, he's been top five. In Selkie voting, and the last twelve years, he's been top three. There, there have been one or two players or zero above him in Selkie voting for twelve straight seasons. So when he announces his retirement, it's happy. Hey, there's another trophy we can actually win day because there's actually an like there's actually going to be a vote for the Selkie Trophy next year. We're going to actually see who wins it as opposed to just awarding it to Patrice every year uh, deservedly. I'm glad you brought up stats and I'm bl- glad you brought up the Selkie and I wish Russo was here cuz he loves when I I do some digging and I did a little Oh bit. yes, here we go. Only he's one of only 7 players ever to win the Selkie and have over 1000 points in their career. Yes, he doesn't have those 40 and 50 goal seasons. Yes, he doesn't have the 100 point seasons, but he played 19 years and he was consistent. The other players with 1000 points and a Selkie trophy. Bobby Clark Hall of Famer, Doug Gilmore, Hall of Famer, Ron Francis, Hall of Famer, Steve Eiserman, Hall of Famer, Rod Brindamore, probably a future Hall of Famer. We know that a lot of people think he should already be in. And Andre Kopitar. That's insane 
company to put yourself in. Um, and I mean, you look at last year, 58 points in 78 games, part of the greatest regular season team that we've ever seen. Uh, I thought maybe he would come back for one more year. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hoping he would. Same. Because I, and I just always, you know what I compare him to? He's, you think Olympics, you think track and field, the marquee events, the hundred meter, you know, the winner of that event is the fastest man in the world. He's going to get all the, the accolades, going to get all the endorsement money, but the decathlete, the guy who does all 10 things well, that's Patrice Bergeron. He does everything. He plays 200 feet of hockey every single game. He shuts down players like Sidney Crosby. He does that well. And when he needs to, when you put him, you know, with the right line mates, he scores as well. And I've heard a lot, you talk about all the comments. I've heard so many coaches come out and say his greatest asset is he is like a Swiss army knife. If you need him to score more and, and contribute more offensively, he can. If you need him to shut someone down, you can. He's he, quite honestly the perfect hockey player. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's that's a great metaphor The because he does everything well. And I think it's also why you see so many players coming out. He makes everyone around him better, right? Like I think like yeah. he's the player that everyone wants to play with because you know, like, okay, if I'm a, if I'm a 60 point guy, if I play on Patrice Bergeron's line, I'm an 80 point guy. Like, like David Posterdoc, great player. Brad Marchand, great players, but I really do believe Bergeron has like he elevated their games to another level. And like like anyone that plays on a line with that guy, you're going to be significantly better of a hockey player than you would without him. Um, he just does all the little things that no one notices and you get the goals and you get the points and he's just over there doing everything. Did you see the video when he was uh, announced as captain of the Bruins? Uh, they played the trick on him. So it's like, it's like in the dressing room and they okay, said, you know, we yeah, had a big yeah. team vote and, and it was Marshawn and Marshawn comes and accepts it. And he's like, all right. And then he's like, we all know this isn't me. Bergie, get up here. <laughs> because again, like he's just the type of leader that, that people follow. And I always say this, you know, you and I, as, as guys who talk and cover this game and write about, of course, we can analyze a lot of things because we see it. We can analyze who's a good goaltender, who's a good defender, who's a good scorer, because we're watching it. But I always love hearing people like us talk about who's a good leader. The only thing we have to really judge that is, is other people telling us, right? you know, you know, Mark Messier is a great leader. Well, Mark Messier is a great leader because people have told us Mark Messier is a great leader. We're not in the dressing room. We're not in there. And, and so many things that come with being a great leader are things that happen behind the scenes, not necessarily on the ice. I've heard great leader, Five million times since this news broke. So I, I'm wondering who's going to be the next captain of the Bruins because you're, even though he was only captain for three years, you, you've got big, big skates to fill. I was going to say shoes, but it's hockey, big skates to fill. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and looking forward for the Bruins, like we kind of all expect, like we, you're going to have a drop off after the greatest season ever, right? Yeah. How big is the drop off going to be? without this guy on the team, like we've sung his praises for 10 minutes now, what, like what's going to happen to the best regular season team in NHL history? Like they, they also had some performances from guys that were like other world Linus Olmark, like that came out of nowhere. He's the best goalie in the entire yeah. league. Like I wonder moving forward for them, how, like what, what the Bruins are going to look like this year. Anyway, I know it's, I know we've been, Pretty much sitting here, you know, putting him on a pedestal. I think he deserves it. Yep. Patrice Bergeron, congratulations on a great career. 
like I said, for me in this generation, underrated is not even a, a good enough word. If there's an all-time underrated, um, you know, Mount Rushmore, <laughs> he's on there. Congratulations uh, on a great career. Got a couple other things we want to get to, and this is something I saw on, our, on the Athletic, and it's summertime, Jesse. So this is the perfect time to bring up things like this. There was the fan survey, and you know they're obviously going to compile all the answers and give us some results later on. But I thought, hey, Jesse and I are fans, right? Yes, you're a writer. I'm a broadcaster, but we're fans. And that's how we became what we are because we love hockey. So I thought this would be a good time for us to go through this. Give your answers. And if you want to give a little bit of an explanation, by all means, it's our show. We can do whatever the hell we want. You ready for this? Yep. I'll let you go first. Question number one. Who is the best player in the NHL besides Connor McDavid? So the options are Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Kale McCarr, Matthew Kachuk. There's a skip option and there's an other option. I'm taking away the skip. We can't skip. If you want to put someone else in, go ahead. Who's the best player in the NHL besides Connor McDavid? Andre Vasilevsky. You bastard <laughs> picking a goalie all the time. <laughs> if I had to pick one of those options, I'd take Kale McCarr. I, I think Kale McCarr is the second best player, but uh, you know me. I think Andre Vasilevsky is. If if I were starting an NHL team and I couldn't take Connor McDavid, I'd take Andre Vasilevsky. I'm going to go with, and I really was torn because as much as you like goaltenders, I like guys who put the puck in the net and create offense. But I was torn between Leon Dreisaitl and Nathan McKinnon. But when I watched Nathan McKinnon play, he just – he just pops so much to me. Like he just explodes on the screen. He's got speed. He's got amazing ability with the puck. He's, and especially in the playoffs, he just takes it to a new level every single year, win or lose, whether they win the cup or not. He's just so incredible. Um, I would love to be able to feel like what it's like to play like Nathan McKinnon for like 30 seconds, just to feel what that is like. So I'm going with Nathan McKinnon. Question number two. Should the NHL add a play-in round to the playoffs like the NBA? I'm going to go old traditional fart here and say no. I think it would be fun, but I just like the Stanley Cup playoffs how they are. Leave them alone. I think 16 teams is plenty. I think I'm with you on this one. I think 16. I I know that now you suddenly have more money, and, and if I if my paycheck depended on whether or not there's a play-in, maybe my answer is a little bit different. But I think you've got a lot of teams. I think the playoffs are a grind. And I also, I'm not a huge fan. We saw this during the the COVID playoffs of shitty teams getting in. Yes. I think, I think the playoffs should be the 16 best teams uh, in the NHL. Now, speaking of playoffs, question number three, do you prefer the current divisional and wildcard playoff format or the old conference-based format one versus eight? We've talked about this a lot, so I think I know your answer. Yeah, we all want it. Um, talking to the players, yeah. it seems like they all want it. That vote's going to be a landslide for the old one versus eight format. Question four, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Eichel, Alex DeBrinkett, Pierre-Luc Dubois recently orchestrated moves to preferred destinations despite not having UFA status. Are you a fan of star players having more power about where they want to play. Three options here. Yes, no, or number three, only if the player has spent a long time on a directionless losing team. I think they should. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they do. And I think it's good for the players, obviously, to have more control. But I think it's good for fans. And 
if you're a fan of a team that one of these players recently left and maybe isn't the most fun market to play in, you're probably not a favor of this. But I think in general, people who like hockey just want to watch the NHL as a whole. I think this makes the league more fun when there's player movement, when like hockey players notoriously like what's who who had the line like they don't want to move their shit. Um, they all just sign with their same team because they just don't feel like moving. It makes the league a little more boring. You watch the NBA and like guys are moving all over the place every year. The teams are like totally shuffled. It, it, it makes the league more fun. So just from an overall entertainment NHL as a whole perspective, I like more big star player movement. I do and I don't. I find myself on the fence. This is maybe the only question I really find myself on the fence because there are times where I think players have earned it and it kind of borders on what answer number three is there where you know, some guy's been on a team that hasn't been able to do anything for many years. And, you know, Jack Eichel is a kind of an example of that, you know, where you kind of feel for the guy, like let, let him go somewhere where he can win, which he went somewhere and he did. Um, but I'm with you, like as, as someone who covers the game and someone who loves the game, I like seeing movement. I like seeing, you know, teams going out and it's so much harder now with the cap to do it, but teams going out and getting the players they need and, and players playing better when they go there. All right, the next question. If you could grab dinner or drinks with a current NHL player, not on your favorite team. So I'm going to put Vegas for you because it's not necessarily your favorite team, but it's the team you cover. Not on your favorite team. Who would it be? Alex Ovechkin, Matthew Kachuk, Sidney Crosby, Brad Marchand, Marc-Andre Fleury, or other? So Marc-Andre Fleury is the easy answer for me. I would got to know him really well here in Vegas. You know who's an like someone who's like totally off the wall that's not on here but is awesome is John Merrill. <laughs> like he's like he's like a seventh defenseman in the NHL but John Merrill seems like the coolest guy ever. I want to have a beer with John Merrill. But uh of these choices I don't think you can go wrong. Ovi would be awesome. Sidney Crosby, I don't think he'd be as fun as Ovi, but it would be fascinating <laughs> to 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 pick his brain. Um Brad Marchand you're probably getting in a bar fight. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, Flurry would be fun. I don't know. They're all good options. Who would you choose? I'm more interested in who Mark you would choose. Andre Flurry is the only answer to this question, Jesse. Yeah. Stop trying to talk yeah. your way around anything. It's if flurry. anyone picks anything but Flurry, you got to know him. I mean, I've, I've been in scrums with him. I don't know him personally. Um, but given everything I've seen from every interview and anyone who's ever talked about Mark Andre Fleury, he seems like the funnest guy yes. to go get a drink with. That's Correct. the only answer to this question. All right, next question. Choose one NHL city besides your favorite teams you would most like to visit for a weekend trip and a game. Vegas, Montreal, New York City, Nashville, or other. That's an excellent list because those are like that's my list of cities I like to visit. Um, we just did the draft in Nashville and had a lot of fun. New York City is always one of the best trips of the year. Um, if I had to pick one, I'd say Nashville. Um, if we're going off the board, one that's not on that list that I love that I think is super underrated, it's the Patrice Bergeron of cities to visit. <laughs> Vancouver. I absolutely love the city of Vancouver. It's awesome. So um, yeah, all good answers though. Uh, I'm with you on Nashville. Never been. And, and I... I like cities in North America that make you feel like you're just on a completely different continent. Like it just, it just seems like it, it doesn't, you know, fit, but in a good way. Uh, honorable mention of Vegas, even though I've been to Vegas many, many times, uh, people might be surprised to know you and I have never actually met each other three-dimensionally. And I'd love to have a beer with you, Jesse. So I'm going to put Vegas as an honorable mention. All right, let's get to some nitty gritty ones. Pick one 2023 Eastern Conference playoff team 
that you're most confident will miss the postseason this year. So you've got Florida, the Islanders, Tampa Bay, Rangers, Leafs, Devils, Hurricanes, Bruins, and there's a ninth option. They will all make it again. Yeah. So most confident makes it sound like you're like very confident, but I'm not confident at all. And like it, it, it I like agree. The, the, the confidence level is low, but of, I agree. All the, of all the low confidence levels, I would say the one I most co- probably the Rangers. Um, they're a young team. They've got a new coach coming in. Like I'm, I'm very uncertain on what the Rangers are going to be. So that would be my pick. Yeah, for me, it's the Islanders. And again, I, I agree with you with the most confident part. Like I read the question. I'm like, oh, I don't like the term most confident. Yeah. Um, the Islanders, I, I never have faith in the Islanders and I don't know why. Like I just don't see this as a team that, uh, that even if they, when they do squeak in, I just don't ever have them as a team that I can put the word confident. So I'm putting them as confident that they're going to miss the playoffs. Now I need you to pick one Eastern Conference team on the rise that you're most confident will break out and make the playoffs this season. Uh, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, Columbus, or none of them will make it because the East is too competitive. I think Buffalo is probably going to be the runaway answer here. That That's my answer as well. Yep. Yeah, they added to their blue line. I like Eric Johnson and, and Connor Clifton. They came close last year. I'm with you on Buffalo. Uh, All right, pick one Western Conference team you're most confident will miss the playoffs this year. Uh, Winnipeg, Seattle, Minnesota, L.A., Dallas, Colorado, Edmonton, Vegas, or number nine, they will all make it again. I mean, Winnipeg, again, this is the runaway answer. I feel like Winnipeg is trying to (laughs) trade. They're trying to trade away every good player they have on the roster. So if they're successful in trading all these good players away, they're going to miss. Even if they don't, just the dysfunction around the fact that they were trying to trade them all away. I am. I'm pretty on the confidence meter. This one is much higher. I don't think Winnipeg's making the playoffs this year. My notes, I knew we were going to do this. So I highlight Winnipeg and I put, they are a mess. That's <laughs> yes. my, that's my analysis. Yes. They're just a mess. They just squeaked in last year. Yeah. And they're trying to get rid of everyone, including one of the best goalies in, in the league. It's, it's the Winnipeg Jets runaway, uh, which non-playoff team from the West will break out and make the playoffs this year. Calgary, Vancouver, St. Louis, none, uh, or other, of course. I'm going to swap one Canadian team for another Calgary. Um, I like them. I think they're, I think they have all the makings of a team that bounces back. Like they, they underperformed last year. Their metrics were better. Like their, their metrics said they should have won more games than they did. And part of that was the goaltending was awful. I have confidence in Jacob Markstrom to bounce back. I think he's a good goalie that just had a bad year. So I'll go Calgary. I think they're going to be good this year. I got Nashville. I mean, the moves they made, I know a lot of people are wondering about the direction of this team. Are they playing for now? Are they playing for the future? Are they rebuilding? I just like the grittiness they added to that team. I've always been a big Ryan O'Reilly fan. Uh, Luke Shen, Gustav Nyquist. I think they're going to be a bitch to play, and I could see them squeaking in. I'd like this next question. Connor Bedard, so we're looking at the future here. Connor Bedard is 24 years old. In his prime, he's playing at the following level. One, battling with a 32-year-old Connor McDavid for the MVP. Two, a top three player in the league, think Nathan McKinnon. Next, top 10 player in the league, think Kirill Kaprizov. A top 30 player in the league, think Sebastian Ajo. An all-star level, but not a true franchise talent, think Matthew Barzell. Or not an all-star or better level. I'm going to go top 10. 
Kirill Kaprizov. To me, that feels about like what he's going to be. I think, I think anything above that, you're asking a lot. I think there's a chance, but I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's likely he's he's a top three player in the NHL. But I do think he's a, like top ten Kirill Kaprizov. That sounds right to me. This is the first time we're disagreeing. I'm going to go top three. Wow. Uh, I yeah. I think I think this kid is the real deal. <laughs> I just and and. Uh, I know his size is an issue. I know whether he's going to play center of the wing is going to be still an issue. Uh, but I just think the NHL is much more tailor-made for someone like him now than it has been in the past. Top three. All right. Which of these playoff teams will be a basement dweller? Top Bottom 10 in the standings in the upcoming season. Um, so you got Florida, no, 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 Islanders, no, 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 Winnipeg, pretty much any of the teams. Yeah. Any of the teams that made the playoffs, who's going to finish top Bottom ten, but it's sure. it's by the twenty twenty five twenty six season. So we got a few. Oh, excuse years. me, this I misread yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. So, Jets is the easy answer. Like we just said, they're a mess. They could be a basement dweller by the end of this year if they trade everyone away. But <laughs> if we want to go away from that, the team that kind of concerns me in terms of the age of their core are the Kings. Um, the, you look at Kopitar, Dowdy. A lot of these guys are not super young. I I could see the Kings. I think their window is short. Um, and and by the way, I'll throw the Golden Knights in there. I don't think they're going to be basement dwellers in a couple years, but the Golden Knights window will close eventually. They've traded all their young assets for for stars, and and it, it paid off. You won a cup. You you did it. But I could see them maybe struggling in a few years. But Kings, to me, they they've got an old core. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. I'm going to shit all over Winnipeg it's this easy. entire episode. I just one. don't. I mean, I, even they're, they're moving everybody, but I don't believe they're moving people to to, to turn this thing around quickly. Right. I mean, we're going to see we're going to see some lean times in Winnipeg. Pick one NHL team you're the most confident will win a Stanley Cup at any point between now and the year 2030. Colorado Avalanche. Um, I think they had an off yeah. year with some injuries, but bet. McKinnon and McCarr and that that core is very young. I think they're just starting their window. I think they're going to win at least one more. Carolina Hurricanes to me. I mean, I think they're a contender now. I think they're going to be a contender for a bit. They frustrate the hell out of teams. You've talked about this all the time. They just don't let anything get through, and that's going to win hockey games, and they just go on the right streak at the right time doing that with a really good coach. Um they win the Stanley Cup. All right, two more questions left. Pick three NHL teams that look the most hopeless in terms of becoming a cup contender at any point between now and 2030. Three teams. I mean, so the Coyotes are the easy pick. Um, they have yep. just that. Will they even have an arena <laughs> before 2030? Who knows? Uh, the Sharks probably and the Ducks would be my other two picks just because I feel like the, the Ducks have young players and there's like so much young talent on that team, but they just don't. It feels like those young players like last year, they were supposed to take a little bit of a step and they didn't. I don't know. I just something is wrong there. I feel like there's just something is not fitting. Maybe it will with 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 the new guys they got in, but I don't know. I So Ducks, Sharks, Coyotes would be my pick. I got Coyotes. I got the Blue Jackets. And I have the Vancouver Canucks because even when the Vancouver Canucks are good, they're not going to win a Stanley Cup. They're just not. They, we've seen it before. You should we have saw picked them the Maple come. Leafs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's even better. But I mean, at least they're like, you know, a, a team with elite talent that should be winning Stanley Cups. But when Vancouver's good, they don't win. When Vancouver's bad, they don't win. Yes. They're just snake bitten. Good pick. Uh, and finally, last question. 
which city deserves the next NHL team, either via relocation or expansion? Here are your choices. Houston, Quebec City, Atlanta, Salt Lake City, a second team in Toronto or other. I'm fascinated to see the results of this, what the fans vote, um, just because like we've heard rumors about pretty much all of these. For me, my vote's Quebec City. I Quebec loves hockey. That city would sell out every single night. Like no, like if they if they gave them a team tomorrow, the season tickets would there'd be a waiting list the next day. Um, so I'm going Quebec City. I got Quebec City as well. Um, I'm old enough to remember what it was like uh, when Montreal and Quebec had their rivalry. I'm not a big fan um, of manufactured rivalries the way they kind of try to do now with divisional playoffs. I like geographical rivalries. I like that Calgary fans just are born hating Edmonton fans. I like that sort of, you know, provincial or in-state rivalries. Uh, that's what I want to see. I want to see that rivalry back because they would just absolutely hate each other. If you want to fill in this survey, be sure to head to The Athletic because I'm curious. I want as many people as possible uh, to, to fill this thing out because <laughs> I'm curious on a lot of these answers. Um, really quickly before we get to uh, our other story here involving the Blackhawks, I'm seeing our producer Jeff Dometz letting us know that Matt Murray is going to be starting the season on the LTIR next year. Your thoughts on this one, Jesse? Yeah, rough go for him. Can't stay healthy. Um, the it's 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 relatively good news for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, salary cap situation, though. So exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean. How many times can we say if Matt Murray stays healthy, right. he's a good goaltender? If Matt Murray, if Matt, it, no matter what happens, this guy is just unfortunately made of glass. Uh, last one before we get to our break. Um, some sad news in the NHL. Rocky Wirtz passed away, the man who, you know, was the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks when they won their three Stanley Cups. But of course, his legacy is always going to have something attached to it. He was presiding over the team when they had one of their biggest scandals, uh, the Kyle Beach sexual assault scandal. Uh, his family has owned this team for a long time. He was two years old when his grandfather bought this hockey team. Um, but it's unfortunate, Jesse, when I think Rocky Wirtz, when I saw this news that Rocky Wirtz passed away, I just flashed back to that town hall meeting where he yelled at Mark Lazarus for, for even – asking what's the future of this team in regards to not letting this Kyle Beach sort of thing happen again. Um, what were you thinking when you saw this news? Yeah, same thing. Um, I, and, and I think that's most people when they saw the news. So that's, I mean, it is what it is. That's going to be, it's, it's the most recent thing that happened with, with his legacy. And, and it's the thing that probably is going to come to mind for most people. Um, for me, looking forward it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the team. I like I I'm a fan of the Denver Broncos. They had an owner for a very long time, Pat Bowlen. He passed away, his kids took over and it was an absolute train wreck until they eventually sold the team. It's not always the smoothest when you're just passing it down to the next generation or whether it's sold. So to me, um owner is the most important piece in a franchise. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Blackhawks. It's interesting though because we've seen exactly what you said. But sometimes I wonder if dad was getting in the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I re I rewatched that press conference or excuse me, town hall. It wasn't a press conference. I got to be very clear about that because that's what a town hall is supposed to be. And his son tried interjecting to say, let me say what the team is doing. Right. 
And what did, what did Rocky do? No, no, no. It's none of his business. So sometimes I feel as if it's a horrible thing to say, and I don't want to make it sound like anyone should be happy anybody died. But when that element's no longer there, maybe the newer generation can go the right way. I'm not trying to pretend to know the, yeah. the finer workings of the, the offices of the Chicago Blackhawks, but that could be a possibility as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Afterwards, Saad Youssef from The Athletic talking a little Dallas Stars. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Okay, given the fact that the Dallas Stars were two wins away from the Stanley Cup final last year, but arguably got better, our next guest has been very, very busy. Saad Youssef joining us again on the Athletic Hockey Show. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing Excellent. good. We went long in our last segment and Saad jumped on and, and was listening uh, to our survey discussion. Uh, any of those questions really kind of jump out to you? I know you were talking about the one uh, who's going to win a Stanley Cup between now and 2030. Have you filled out the survey yet? And do you have any ones that really jump out to you? <laughs> well, I thought all the questions are really good and it's a, and it's a fun exercise, you know, for, for some of them, the answers are a little easier, but, uh, but other other especially the ones with the with the three teams, um, I think those are those are a little easier because you have more leeway. But um, but the question about which team can win a Stanley Cup between now and twenty thirty, I think I, I think it's an interesting question because you know you could go with a team that looks really good right now, and if they if their window closes next year, but if they look good really right really good right now, they fit that answer as well. Or you can look at a team that's fit for sustained success and you know have a path forward youth coming up all that kind of stuff and they might be good in 2027 uh, i think the stars kind of uh check both boxes i think the stars could win the championship next year in 2024 and i feel they could win a championship in 2027 so that, that was a question that kind of got my wheels churning in my head a little bit so you broke the rules already jesse we said can't be the team you cover or the team that's your favorite team, but we want to get sawed on a lot, so we don't want to, to slam them just yet. Um, I, let's transition over to the stars, and we'll start with the most recent and least surprising news, at least to me. Jim Nil signing a two-year extension uh, with the team. We're obviously going to talk about the stars this offseason, what they're looking like, but but you've covered this team for a while. Jim Nil just he became the stars GM in 2013, so we've had a long time to 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 analyze him as a general manager in this league. When you think of his tenure, you look at his last 10 years, what do you think of when you see Jim now? 
Um, I think very black and white, hot and cold. Um, the first, I mean, you look up until 2016, every draft pick was not every, um, I'm being hyperbolic, but, but a lot of draft picks were, were big misses. 2016 first round pick Riley Tufty is going to be fighting for a fourth line spot in Colorado. Dennis Gurianov, their, uh, 2015 first round pick was shipped off at the trade deadline for, for peanuts. Um, well, for Evgeny Dadnov, which, which worked out well, but, um, but he was shipped off. I, I mean, it, it just was not a good run. And then, uh, you know, of course you had rope hands, the second round pick in 2015. That was nice. But since 2017, you look at what this team has done in the draft from Robertson, uh, Haskin and Ottinger, Wyatt Johnston, Logan Stankoven coming up, Thomas Harley, they've hit like crazy. And then also in free agency, you look at Joe Pavelski coming on now, Matt Duchesne came on this year. So, um, Corey Perry, I, you know, was a great depth piece for them to the Stanley cup final. So, um, I think there's, uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, there there's, I don't want to say recency bias, but Jim Nill has evolved his, his talents in the, in recent times. And, and I think that's a big reason why he's been able to salvage, um, his time here in Dallas. You, you touched on the Duchesne, uh, acquisition. And I, I felt like that was one of the bigger ones this off season, a team that, like, obviously, I covered the Golden Knights against the Stars in the conference final. And what stood out to me about that team is just they've got so many guys that can score on this team. Um, you, you, you hear about depth, and sometimes depth is like guys that are good in other areas, but not maybe aren't scorers. Like, the Stars have guys that can score in the bottom six, and now you add another scorer to that. Like, what, what excites you the most about Duchesne with this team, and, and, and how, how good of a fit do you think that is? I think it's a great fit because because the biggest thing that they were missing last last year in the top nine was that ninth forward. They had Robertson and Spavelski. They had Ben Johnston and then Dadnov, especially when he came on late. Uh, and Domi was a good addition. But when Domi came on, Tyler Sagan got hurt. Marchman got hurt. Marchman didn't live up. Then in the playoffs, Pavelski got hurt. They never had that complete top nine. And now they have a they have like a top 11 top nine because you add Duchesne in and then Logan Stankoven is still coming up from from the juniors and uh, Maverick Bork from the AHL but to to you know go specifically about your question with Duchesne uh the versatility is what really excites me about him he can play center he can play winger um he can he you know he can be a factor on with multiple pairings I think he'll be great with Sagan but I think that you can switch him around in different places. And I think Pete DeBoer will explore that. So his versatility is going to be huge. I think the way that he allows for uh, the younger players to truly develop and not rush them in. Look, Wyatt Johnston was great last year, but that's not the rule. He's the exception. So you don't want to thrust Logan Stankoven into a situation that he's not comfortable for yet. And Matt Duchesne enables that. And by the way, not just Matt Duchesne is the talent. Matt Duchesne's contract enables that. Because it's a one-year deal for three million, it's the perfect bridge-type contract or whatever you want to call it to to really ease in the next talent as well. I was about to ask you that. Was anyone else thinking they read it wrong when you saw that signing? And I know he's being paid by two teams because he got bought out, but I remember saying, Matthew Shane for three million bucks. I mean, that's the definition of a bargain. Oh yeah, I mean, it was it was not terribly surprising because of like you said, the buyout I, I think does play a role. But also, Duchesne, you know, Dallas has a lot of the things that free agents look for. Dallas has a winning situation. That, and we just talked about Jim Nill. He sets the culture here. And Jim Nill, universally known in hockey, is one of the nicest men in the sport. Um, so they have a good culture there. 
Um, they have veterans, they have youth. And then also for Duchesne coming from Nashville, it's a, as he called Dallas, a sister city, um, similar vibes, Southern hockey, you know, he's an Ontario guy. So he knows what that heavy Toronto pressure and all that looks like. And that doesn't exist in Nashville. It doesn't really exist in Dallas either. So, you know, you get to, in Dallas, you get to make your millions, play the game you love and go out to dinner with your wife on a Friday night. It's, it's the perfect situation for a lot of these players. I was reading your offseason uh, off analysis of this team, and you gave them an A, and I love the one line where you said, arguably every move the Stars made, they came out on top. And I, I said it off the top of this interview. This is a team that was two wins away from the Stanley Cup final. How much better are they? Or maybe I'll just ask, are they better and how much better are they? Yeah, I think all the moves they all the moves that they made were a plus. So you add Duchesne instead of Domi, you upgraded. I think you add, you know, the depth fours they did on the fourth line while losing Kiviranta and Glenn Denning, you upgraded with those guys as well. And so, um, and, and so they upgraded those. I think the only move that they didn't upgrade on because they didn't make was really anything with their defense. And and, and uh, as Jesse knows very well that's what ended up costing them the series in the Western conference finals, because Vegas had the, has the, has the deep, deepest defensive core in the league and Dallas was outmatched uh, greatly. So I would say that is probably an area of concern. So how much better, I think they're a lot better up front, but you know, I don't think they had a whole lot to get better up front, if that makes sense. So if they were a nine out of 10, there may be a nine and a half out of 10 up front. Um, I think, personnel wise they're probably still the same defensively what they're hoping for is a bunch of internal upgrades thomas harley takes the next step Niels lundquist emerges um and ryan Suter at least remains playable or you know to some extent so i think that's what they're really looking for at this point because they didn't add anybody externally there Saad, you mentioned off the top that like this team is built to win now but they also could win in 2027 and like that's that's rare for like most of the contending teams, especially in this like flat cap world where everyone's just like going all in and they're all crunched against the cap. What, what like for, for people that aren't following the stars every day that don't know their prospect pool, like what, ex, what, what do you, what gives you reason for, for optimism that far down the road for this team? Like what young guys do they have coming that, that maybe we haven't seen yet? Yeah. Three big guys, uh, Maverick Bork, Logan Stankover, the two forwards. And, you know, last year before Wyatt Johnson's rookie year, just to just to put in perspective, the Stars had the top scorer in all three junior leagues. And it was Logan Stankoven in the WHL, it was Wyatt Johnson in the OHL, and it was uh, Maverick Bork in the Q. So they had the top scorer in all leagues. Then Logan Stankoven, if it wasn't for Connor Bedard, was arguably the best you know junior hockey player this past year, or one of the best. Um, again, after Bedard, and then Wyatt Johnson had the rookie year that he did, and was you know a Calder a Calder candidate. So that's their, that's their, uh, forward up front. And we get used to Miro Haskinen, I think is entering his sixth year or fifth or sixth year. Um, he's 23 years old. I'm sorry. He just turned 24 last week. Jason Robertson just turned 24 yesterday. Jake Ottinger is still 24 years old. Leon Bitzel, their, uh, their, uh, 2022 first round pick. He's the perfect pairing for Miro Haskinen. He's still, he just turned 18 years old or 19 years old, I think 18 or 19, uh, a couple of months ago. So 
you know, you get caught up with the Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, Joe Pavelski class of, of players. And yes, those guys are great and they're critical, but this team is flooded with young talent. That's not just young talent that you think might work out. It's young talent. Like I said, with Haskinen and Robertson and Ottinger that are, and the old man of this crew is Rope Hintz and he's 27 years old. So that's that's the core you're looking at, and that's why you know this definitely extends down to 2027. Sod, I've often said that I feel that hockey at times now could be a little bit too overcoached. I think we're constantly looking to make changes. I think if a line doesn't score for two games, it's let's move them apart, let's change this, let's change that. But I look at Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski. When they're together, this line is just it, – it's its almost laughable at times. I, I always bring up Jesse. One of the things I love to put a couple couple dollars on every now and again is players to score goals in, in certain games. I pretty much put Robertson to score a goal every single game because I think in the end I'm going to end up up money. How good is this line? I mean, you get to watch them day in and day out. You get to watch them practice. Should, should Just put them together. Leave them alone. I don't care what happens. Don't touch this line. Yeah, absolutely. And and they're they're as advertised. And it's not just, you know, it's not hype. They're they're arguably the best line in hockey in the world right now. And they've and they've been one of the best lines for the last two, three years. You know, we had the Calgary line when when uh when Gaudreau and Kachuk were there as well. And then you had you you've had some really good lines in Boston and stuff. So I'm not saying they're some like, you know, runaway, just you know, the best, but they're one of the best lines in hockey. And a big reason why is because they are individually really good, but they are the they are they are best together. Um, and you know there there are certain times like we saw Joe Pavelski score four goals um, when he was not on that line when he came back in the second round. So they have talent and they can do it. But Jason Robertson is a young goal scorer who has the instincts. Um, Joe Pavelski is an older, very smart guy who knows exactly where to be and how to play with pretty much anyone. And, you know, it's always hard, um, you know, to figure out where to assign credit, uh, you know, when the, when a system is, when a, when something is as well oiled as that machine is, but man, I really think it's Rope Hints all the time. Like I think Rope Hints, Rope Hints is the catalyst for the, all the success he allows for everything to happen because he's so good that Robertson and Pavelski can do whatever they want offensively and not have to worry about it because, you know, now that Patrice Bergeron is gone, I think Rope Hintz is going to be in the Selkie conversation, you know, for years to come. And so um, I think he's the engine. He's, to me, I've always said, I love Miro Haskinen. I love, you know, Wyatt Johnson. All these guys are great. Rope Hintz is the most fun player to watch on this team uh, for what he does on both ends of the ice. So yeah, the entire line is really good, but I think individually, they all make each other better. And then, you know, um, and then I think Rope Hintz drives the whole thing. In, I was reading your piece when, when they signed Matt Duchesne and you mentioned, you kind of touched on it earlier, like how Dallas has all the pieces. Like what, can you, can you expand on that? What, what makes Dallas such a destination? I think I, it's probably a lot of the same answers. Um, I cover a team here in Vegas that gets a lot of free agents and a lot of guys want to sign here. Um, just what, what has made that city uh, so such a perfect fit for, for NHL players? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, in addition to some of the things I, I hit on before, I mean, there's little things like, you know, uh, like the tax situation in, in Texas, which that always helps as well. Um, and so that that's a good plus. I think, I think at the end, though, it's a lot of really good uh, mixes. And I think 
for different for different players they have different different agendas different things that they're looking for but the the thing with Dallas is you'll find whatever you're looking for so if you're looking for um a good veteran hall of fame type players um you know to play with you'll find that if you're looking for young talent and you don't want to be stuck in a black hole in a couple of years then you'll find that as well and like i said i think the living situation is really underrated because Hockey actually is picking up in Dallas quite a bit. They have a lot of good youth hockey. I mean, you know, the the Dallas assistant GM and Ryan Suter and, and Joe Pavelski, their kids all play on the same youth hockey team. Like, they have a really good, you know, hockey environment here. But the Dallas Cowboys are still here. Luka Doncic is still here. And so, like I said, I think it's a, it's a big plus. I, I, like, I think when you're younger, you want to have a lot of that celebrity um, people asking you for autographs, things like that. But as you get older, you just want to fly under the radar, play hockey, make your millions, and win a Stanley Cup. And Dallas and Florida, like and Vegas, like these are the situations where you can kind of, where you can kind of just get lost in the shuffle a little bit because you know you may not have the Cowboys in Vegas, but you have something else. Like, it, well, it's, it, I mean, it's Vegas, and so um, I think. Uh, I, I think for me, it's it's one of those things where it's the perfect, it, you know, it's the perfect environment on the ice, off the ice. Um, I, and I think that uh, the other thing, like I said, is Jim Nill has done a really good job of fostering a great environment. And they've always had really good coaches in terms of guys that, you know, not not the Mike Babcocks, Mike Bab- Babcocks of the world, like you know, Jim Montgomery, Lindy Ruff was fun to play for. Ken Hitchcock was here for a year. Jim Montgomery has been good. Rick Bonus, whatever you think about his coaching, one of the nicest men in hockey. And now Pete DeBoer has been extremely likable and all the players love him. So um, I, I think all that stuff contributes to why Dallas is a destination. It's so underrated. It, it really, everything you just said is so underrated that I don't think the general fan understands what it's like. What You said something earlier in this interview. He can go out to dinner with his wife. I'm in the Toronto area. Austin Matthews can't just show up at a random restaurant and expect to be left alone. Right. It's not happening. And yes, these guys are very handsomely compensated. I get it. They make millions of dollars. But quality of life, I I firmly believe, translates to better hockey playing. Uh, and Dallas is the – and weather too. The one thing you didn't you didn't mention yeah. weather they're not freezing their asses off in you know Calgary or Toronto or Montreal you know they're they're they got nice weather too so I think those are yeah. so underrated and, and yeah and and you know I know Jesse can uh, appreciate this as well you can play golf in December like in, in Dallas like you can go first week of December on a nice seventy degree day and play golf and a lot of these guys I mean you look at Tyler Sagan right now he's in he's in Toronto. Um, working out. So in the summer, you can escape and go do, go back home, go to Toronto, go to Vancouver, go wherever you come from and uh, and do your thing in the off season. And then you get to come during hockey season and on your off day, go play golf on Christmas Day. So um, I think I think you're right. All those things are are really, really great. And, and I think hockey players like all that. Oh, Play golf on Christmas Day, something I have never done in my 43 years of life. Saad, always a pleasure having you on, man. Thanks so much. Uh, God, go play golf on Christmas yeah. Day. <laughs> Appreciate y'all having me. Saad Youssef, go uh, read his stuff on The Athletic. Read all about the Dallas Stars. we got Rapid Fire coming up after the break, so don't go anywhere. 
My favorite time of the show and yours, rapid fire, Jesse, it's off season, so we got a lot of signings to talk about. Get your opinions on these. This one just coming down today, Sebastian Ajo has uh, signed an extension, eight years, $78 million. I'll save you from getting the calculator. That is 9.75 as far as a cap hit goes. That's a lot of money, but he's worth it. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league. He is a, like, I don't know if franchise player is too strong, but for Carolina, he is a franchise player for that team. So uh, getting him locked up. And also the other thing is, I think with the timing right now, if you're going to sign that type of guy, like the highest paid player on your team, you probably want to sign him now because the cap is projected to go up quite a bit the next couple of years. The TV money coming in. Suddenly, you might see like I like I could very well see three years from now you looking back and saying only nine Steel. for Aho. That's a great Steel. deal. Yeah, what a, what a deal! So I think the timing of it, while while that is a lot of money and he makes him one of the highest paid players, I think the timing of it is is great for Carolina. Another signing: Tony D'Angelo, one year, one point six seven five million dollars with those Hurricanes. Forty two points last season in seventy games with the Flyers. They bought him out of the final. Uh, season of his two-year contract yeah I mean they they clearly thought he fit well in there I think it was like you, you look at his numbers from last year and and it was like it, it's the tale of playing on a, a, a defenseman playing on a terrible team and then a defenseman playing on a great defensive team I mean he was a minus 27 in in Philly and then he goes to to Carolina and is awesome so it's it's we'll see what he does there we we know about the person Tony D'Angelo in terms of the hockey I think he fits well in Carolina his his numbers were were good there in 21-22 uh, last year they were obviously terrible but it's he was on an awful team so it's hard to to look at that rapid fire topic number three Ilya Samsonov and the Leafs went to arbitration the Leafs were asking for a 2.4 million dollar salary he wanted 4.9 he was awarded 3.55 my thoughts on this, the, the contract's fine, whatever, but my thoughts more so are arbitration hearings can be brutal for players. And we hear former players come out and say, after an arbitration hearing, I never wanted to play for that mm-hmm. team again because they're just it's just them telling the arbiter how shitty you are at hockey. And I think if there's one player on the team, you don't want to spend an entire hearing telling him how shitty he is before you play. It's the goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> is there a higher, like it's the, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys maybe is the only position in sports that is higher pressure than the go- starting goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And right before the season, you're going to spend hours in a courtroom telling him how shitty mm-hmm. he is at goalie. I think it's far from ideal. Very, very far from ideal. You were busy. You were busy drinking margaritas last week, but I talked about this. How much of a fly, like an HBO twenty four seven? Forget leading up to you know the Winter Classic. I want an HBO twenty four seven on arbitration, and I just don't know how they do it. I don't know how they walk out of there going, "All right, now you're part," because you know you're leaving as part of their team. It's 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 mind boggling to me that process. And it's and like for him, like it's easy for him right now in the middle of July to say, ah, they had to say that stuff. That's that's like it's easy for you to compartmentalize it. But in May, when you lose two games in a row in the playoffs and you give up two goals and they were and then their game losing goals and they were like the reason you gave that goal up was the technique that they were shitting on you for back in arbitration. Maybe it messes with your mind like I like. 
goalie is such a mental position. If there's a guy on the yeah. team I do not want to shit on before the season starts, it's my starting goalie for a team that's got more pressure than any team in the league. It's I don't like or it. Or anything else. If they, if they talk about the fact that Jesse Granger gives up way too many third-period goals, and in your first five games of the season, you give up a bunch of third-period goals, well, that's going to really suck. Like It's just going to get into yes. your head. Yes. All right. Yep. Rapid-fire topic number four. Vince Dunn signed a four-year uh, deal with the Seattle Kraken. $29.4 million. So that's a cap hit of 7.35. He was a restricted free agent. He got to avoid that salary arbitration hearing we were just talking about. Yeah, we were, we were kind of talking about this a little before we came on. And my initial reaction, Vince Dunn, $7 million, is, whoa, that's a lot of money. But you look into the numbers. I'm looking at like, I looked at some of his numbers on evolving hockey, his goals above replacement, his wins above replacement. And he was fantastic for that team last year. Um, other than Jared McCann, who scored a bunch of goals, he was pretty much their most impactful player on, on a cracking team that was really good and really deep. So we'll see how that contract plays out. But I'm the, the, I, I'm, my initial reaction was a little shocked, but I think maybe that, that number is pretty good for him. And finally, we have a coaching signing as Dave Haxtall, two-year extension with the Seattle Kraken, obviously with coaches. They don't have to worry about cap or money or anything else. They just sign who they want to sign. <laughs> Thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's it's just, it's funny how things change so quickly um, in this league. Like the, the Kraken that first year, they they sucked. And, and after the way Vegas came into the league, everyone was like, Oh my God, Hackstall! It's a nightmare. Like it, I, it, it's almost to the point where like the fans are chanting "Sorry, Lindy" in New Jersey. Like the the thing, things can change so quickly, and now all of a sudden, Hackstall is awesome, and they're this team that made the playoffs, and they they're they're on the upswing, and they're so deep, and they're young, and and give Hackstall an extension. Like a year ago, you would have told someone Hackstall's getting a two year extension, they would have laughed in your face. There's no way that's happening. So things change quickly in this league. Boy, do they ever. And that's why we come on each and every week and talk about it. Jesse, thanks for coming back. Missed you. We'll see if Russo's going to be back at any point where we can, you know, get on him a little bit. Go and put your wedding ring back on. Get used to that thing because till death do us part, my friend. Till death do us part. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, if you want to look at our ugly mugs or Jesse's em- empty hand, just go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Athletic Hockey Show. And, of course, The Athletic Hockey Show continues. Thursday with Ian Mendez and down goes Brown. Big thanks to Saad Youssef for coming on. For Jesse, I'm Pizzo. Thanks for listening. We're off the next two weeks, so we'll see you on August 16th.